0: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello from me. And hello from Lee. Nice to have all of you with us and I hope you're all having a good week. I certainly um, have had a challenging week, tried to fix my own car and ended up making it unfixed. And I know, anyway. That, that's a story for another day, I think. There's that. What's that expression in Afrikaans? Chut is dir which is saving money usually ends up costing you more. Costing you basically.
1: money, yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned. So,
0: yeah, so we don't have any, maybe if there'd been rugby on, I would have been too busy watching rugby to fiddle with the yeah, car. Yeah,
1: it was a bit odd not watching rugby, it felt quite empty.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is women's rugby going on, but it's in New Zealand. So yeah the time of day and stuff yeah it's just uh. anyway so as promised last week so we did a couple of season, a couple of episodes on bible study and a lot of the stuff that we were talking about kind of alluded to something which Lee and I are both quite interested in and that is this whole ancient aliens thing and the possibility that we were visited at some point in the past and tinkered with (laughs) and there's some interesting hallmarks or or bookmarks throughout the old testament which kind of talk to this and obviously we're not hoping to achieve the heights of a graham hancock or a michael tellinger but it's more real it's just us and what we've been exposed to so um hopefully you'll find it interesting. So we're going to kick off. I'm going to hand the mic to Lee, who's going to start us off with something which is of personal interest to her primarily.
1: Yeah, so I want to talk first of all about um, the Ark of the Covenant and whether or not it alien technology. And this is quite fascinating because As described in in the Bible, it gives a lot of details about its construction as commanded by God. It was quite precise with the dimensions and the materials, including gold and three seat on top. And I just think it's an interesting, I see it as, as a piece of technology that weren't exposed to in those days. So writing about it as an allegory kind of makes sense for the, the period in, in history that we're talking about. But could it have been more than just a, a ceremonial object? And I think there's questions about being a, a kind of technology that it, it, it could have been. And that certainly kind of aligns with the theory of ancient alien, that, that, that kind of thing. So I, I find it quite, quite satisfying. And also, I think it, was, was, it had lethal power and I think in, in the book of Samuel, it talks about striking down, just touched it or that. So I, I, think, I think there's more to it than just a...
0: I think you're onto something there. And have you heard the Giza power plant theory about the pyramids?
1: No, I'm not familiar with that, but it sounds interesting. Do you tell us more.
0: Yeah, there's an engineer called Christopher Dunn, and he surmises that actually the pyramids were power plants and were used to create some kind of electrical power. And there's lots of murals and and carvings and stuff all over the Giza Plateau and and in the various temples, which kind of... I'll I'll drop in some pics as we're talking. But the thing which has always fascinated me, if you go back to the story of the Ark and where it starts and obviously Moses took the ark from Egypt, right? So what's fascinating is in the king's chamber, in the the main pyramid, there's an empty sarcophagus, which they claim was where the pharaoh's body was. It just happens to be the same dimensions as the ark of the covenant. So it actually would have fitted in there. So that, to me, almost ties those two things together. And it's also I found it fascinating how so moses Moses was raised Egyptian, he was found motherless in the in the reeds <laughs> <laughs> it happened to me before, but yeah, he was found motherless in the reeds, and yeah rescued by by one of Pharaoh's sisters and wives I can't quite remember, and then raised as an Egyptian prince and there is an interesting book, and I can't—I've been trying to find it, but I, I definitely read it, and I just can't find it again. Where someone actually took all the patriarchs of the Old Testament and were able to map them up from a timeline perspective with Egyptian pharaohs, and we know that, like, well, you might not know, but a lot of ancient Judaism was influenced quite heavily by Egyptians. And even the Ten Commandments are straight out of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So it was definitely an inherited knowledge. And Moses, people forget, and we talked last week about context. And it's important to remember that Moses was raised as an Egyptian prince, so he would have had knowledge of things. And then having Pharaoh having let the people go, why did he chase after them? All of a sudden, with his whole army. And I surmise that they said to Moses, "Okay, take your your clan and go," and they stole the ark. And I think because the ark was central to power, how not not democrat, not political power, you know, literal electrical power. Pharaoh was like, "Oh no, you don't." And I think there's a good chance that the power associated with with that and his staff because they say he raised his staff and it parted the Red Sea, I think the two are connected to each Mm -hmm. other. And, of course, he used his staff to crack the rock which brought forth water when they were dying of thirst in the wilderness. So I do think there's quite a strong connection. And as you pointed out, it was an incredibly dangerous object to be anywhere near. So... We talked last week about that passage. We were talking about God's body count and 50,000 or 10,000 people were struck dead just because it, it's, it arced. It like, tchoo. so yeah, I think the Ark of the covenant is a really fascinating thing. And I do think that there is clearly some form of technology involved because it, it, you wouldn't they talk in, about a lot of the stuff in ancient Egypt as being over-engineered. It's like, why would you, why would you go to that level of technology to, to title to to be that specific? Why did it need to be that specific? We certainly don't build like that today. They they had a very specific purpose for building everything the way they built it, and I've often thought, like in, you know, in two thousand years when our civilizations dead and gone and wiped off by a a flood i wonder if people wouldn't like look at the battersea power station and speculate that this was some kind of temple (laughs) where the 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 towers the cooling towers are oh they were trying to reach the heavens and (laughs) it does make you wonder doesn't it
1: yeah yeah i think, I think it's it's quite a powerful technology. The instructions for building it were as you say very very specific. The materials given to construct it with were very very specific and I think it could serve as some kind of indication of contact with extraterrestrial or or at least from a advanced civilization point but where else would they have come from advanced Throughout different historical records, the Bible or something else, the Sumerian tablets and things, it seems that lots of cultures go through the same kind of story almost, like the floods is an example that has occurred in various different cultures. And it's like, are these stories retold with the basic sort of language or understanding of the time? And now that we are more advanced than we were, then... Is it some kind of a new interpretation of what was historic
0: Yeah. That's that's something that that I've been looking into quite a lot lately around the the have you heard about the Younger Dryas impact or the Younger Dryas cool period or what was it? Have you heard of that one?
1: Tell us more. So this Tell is, us more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this is something Graham Hancock talks about in his series on Netflix where he says there was a comet. The, the, the speculation is that a comet struck the ice sheet in Canada during the last ice age. And that's what led to the end of that ice age and what they call the Younger Dryas warming period, where there was this massive melting of ice. It flowed down Randall Carlson is another person, if you want to have a look and see what he talks about. But he shows that actually you can see that a fairly massive flood traveled down the length of the United States and actually carved out the Grand Canyon and, 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 and all of that. And yeah, Randall Carlson, absolutely amazing on that. And of course, that all of that melting water would have hit the Atlantic seaboard on the American side, caused a massive tsunami, which quite possibly could have travelled all the way across the Atlantic Ocean and consumed all the areas, the, the Sahara Desert. There is research which shows that it was green and lush mm-hmm. in the last few thousand years. So it wasn't always a desert. And, I must, and if it wasn't always a desert, where on earth did all that sand come from? That that literally covered everything, because we we see the Giza plateau the way we see it now, when the first explorers came across it, the Sphinx was just this little head sticking out of the sand, and the pyramids was just the tippy tops. So, some there was a deluge, and I think Noah's story. They talk about it in the Sumerian tablets, the Epic of Gilgamesh. There there are a lot of stories about how, and every culture as you were saying, Lee, North, South, East, West, they all have a flood myth. They all have a story about this massive flood. That can't be a coincidence. And this is what's got me thinking about, does it necessarily have to have been aliens? What if it was just some previously advanced society? We've Our society, as we understand it, the oldest monuments we we can find so far is Gebekli Tepe, which coincidentally goes back to the Younger Dryas period. (laughs) and There's nothing really before that, but humanity is a lot older than that. And why do we assume we're on a straight line, linear path to high civilization? What if there was one that was here before? Like... Dun, dun, dun. atlantis yeah <laughs> yeah we'll go to a quick break and then when we come back we'll talk a little bit about atlantis oh i
2: love this we continue in moments good. yes yes you're locked to trans radio uk
3: many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business Based in Telford at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento Developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprince.co.uk. Or visit purpleprince.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Transradio Trans radio UK. Tune in via DAB and Ireland Download our app via your smart speaker. Or online at Transradiouk.com
2: Malcolm here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and jazz here on Trans Radio UK.
0: Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So we were just talking about Atlantis, or we, we mentioned Atlantis just before the break. And as a kid, I remember being completely fascinated with the man from Atlantis. Did you ever watch that as a kid, Lee?
1: I remember that show.
0: Yeah, with Patrick Duffy. And I, I remember being confused as to how Bobby Ewing ended up as a man from Atlantis, Atlantis. <laughs> before I, I was too little to understand that they're just actors. So yeah, a man from Atlantis. And, and that actually had me hooked. That and Eric Von Deneken with the, he he's he wasn't necessarily the first, but he was the first mainstream author, if you like, that really dealt with ancient technology and and that sort of thing and my dad had some picture books almost like comics but they, they they told those stories and i was hooked from a very little age very young age on this idea of of some lost civilization and of course atlantis is central to that and there's another really really good youtube channel called bright insight and the guy on it jimmy he did blot his copybook a little bit with me a couple of weeks ago, and I had to send him a stern letter because he was straying into anti-trans space. And I said, it's not necessary for the work that you're doing.
1: It doesn't enough.
0: add anything. So why even bring it up? But anyway, I do like his content and in the spirit of how we try to approach things. I don't, we don't shoot the messenger we just try to understand the message. So that's kind of where I am with him at the moment. And and he doesn't dedicate his channel to trans bashing. So it is kind of different. But so he believes that the there is a a formation in Mauritania called the Eye of the Sahara. Have you heard of the Eye of the Sahara? No? Okay pictures coming <laughs> <laughs> so the eye of the sahara is this massive formation in mauritania and west africa and he's fairly certain that this was atlantis and this was completely deluged by the younger dryas impact event and that's where it was um so so yeah what what do you what do you, about atlantis what have you read or heard
1: Well, I think for me, the fascinating thing is that there's just no location, various people with various theories, and there's just no evidence pointing to one specific. So I think that in itself, that there has been a significant flood event in the past, perhaps more, and certainly correlate the the impact of, of the ice shelf and that impact in generating a tsunami. We, we've seen firsthand the of a tsunami, but probably oh, not even one a of Even a relatively that scale. small one. Yeah. yeah, relatively small one, but probably not of that scale. And land masses were engulfed in water.
0: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, the, the deluge happened. Every single culture on the planet talks about it, so we know it happened. The thing with Atlantis, so we talked last week about the library at Alexandria, And I mentioned how everyone from Solon to Plato went there to study. And Plato, who wrote um, Timaeus and Crataeus, which are the two books which talk about the Atlantis myth, um, he says he got the stories from his grandfather, who was Solon, who actually went to Egypt and got the story from them. So the Egyptians in the time of Solon were very clear that their civilization had been influenced By another civilization, which they referred to as Atlantis. And I suppose, as an allegory for warning around hubris and and arrogance, I I think the message is it doesn't matter how advanced you are, when nature, when you have a flood, (laughs) it's all gone. It's gone. And I think that there was certainly a high civilization that existed pre the deluge. And that high civilization, we, we were talking about the Adam and Eve story mm-hmm. and the parallel that exists in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the tale from the Sumerian tablets, which tells the story of how there was this advanced race. They, According to Zachariah Sitchin, and, and this is not settled science, and lots of people argue with Zachariah Sitchin's. Interpretation of the tablets, but even at face value, they tell the story of how man was created and man was created to be a beast of burden. And in the Sumerian tablets, they talk about there were two primary god kings, if you like, gods. One was Enki and the other one was Enlil. Enki was the scientist and Enlil was the military type person. And enki was the one responsible for creating this tweaking if you like the the dna of the hominid species that existed at the time to make them intelligent enough to take orders and be told what to do but not so intelligent as to have a sense of self if you like so and i think that that describes adam and in the sumerian tablets they tablets they talk about the adamu <laughs> which was a plural but it's not a huge leap from adamu to adam right adam. and so they create so so enki and his sister nanota were responsible for basically creating the species of people that could that could be beasts of burden. And then there was a big disagreement between Enki and Enlil. And because Enki believed that his creation could be so much more than just beasts of burden. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were created to tend to the garden. That was their, I'm putting you here, Sang-in-chan. you look after everyone. You, so yeah. you, got, you put them to work. They yeah. had to tend to the garden.
1: And God and, gave them dominion over Well, yeah, he the put them in charge.
0: And, he said, okay, yeah. you guys are responsible for looking after all this stuff. And you do everything, just don't eat from that tree. And the Adamu in the Sumerian tablets it is a very close correlation. They say the Adamu was created to carry the burden of, of the work. But then Enki decides, he thinks that we're worth more, or, or the Adamu were worth more. As a species, and I suppose being a scientist and being inclined, he wanted desperately to give us, I keep saying us, I want to, because it doesn't necessarily mean that was us, but the Adamu, he wanted to give the Adamu consciousness, sentience, because he believed they were capable. And this was the big fight between Enki and Enlil, and Enki did it anyway. (laughs) Enlil said, no, you shall not do that. And Enki and Nanota did it anyway <laughs> and and gave the Adamu a conscience. And when we were talking about Adam and Eve, we were saying that whole thing about when they ate from the tree of knowledge, they it says that you ha, you now have the knowledge of good and evil and therefore have become as one of us and that to me is like if you like the sentient stepping stone between a beast of burden and being able to stop and think and then we get into the nephilim in the bible the nephilim were supposedly fallen angels who who were chucked out of heaven during the satanic revolt the lucifer <laughs> lucifer revolt and they and it says in the Bible how the the, the the fallen ones, the Nephilim, who were, and it says in the Bible, they were the giants of old. So they were obviously bigger than normal human beings. But they found the daughters of man to be quite appealing and took them as wives and had children with them. So now Inky's experiment's getting out of hand <laughs> because he was controlling the the genetic advancement right but now if you've got into breeding you're starting to get into natural selection you're starting to get into evolution all kinds of things and the bible goes on to say that the children of the nephilim that they had with man with with mankind those were the heroes and of old (laughs) So one of the characters from the Sumerian tablets, I think it's Gilgamesh. He's actually depicted as one of the depictions of Gilgamesh is him holding a lion like a cat, like his yeah. pet cat. So, And you think back to the Greek myths about Hercules and, and all the Greek mythology is is wrought with gods having sex with humans and creating the heroes. So yeah, it does make you wonder how... And it just gets me thinking, what's what's the connection between Lot's wife and the pillar of salt and Medusa, who could turn people to stone just by looking at it? makes you wonder there too. Oh, I've been rambling on and on now. So so to cut a long story short, I do think it comes back to what I've said before, is I don't think the serpent is the bad guy in the story in the Garden of Eden. I think the serpent is Enki. Enki and Enlil had a disagreement. Enlil, in my mind, is Yahweh, is the God of the Old Testament. He was a military minded. He was described in the Sumerian tablets as being fairly brutal. And he decided in, in the Sumerian tablets, Enlil decides, okay, this whole experiment's got way out of hand. We've got people from our from our species breeding, Enki, you've gone and created a species that we can crossbreed with, and now, oh my God, now we've we've lost all control of of this genetic experiment, and that's when Enki, sorry, Enlil, talks about the the Anunnaki gods yeah. went up into the heavens, and the deluge came to wash away these these creatures, these chimeras that enki had created and, and we are those chimeras that's that's who we are that's what i think yeah and i've rambled on for too long now and we're now up to another break so when we come back i'll likely <laughs> respond a bit sorry for taking up all the mic space see you in a bit
2: oh i love this we continue in moments this is good yes yes you're locked to trans radio uk Are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively? Why not check out Trans Sober? We're a grassroots peer support group for the community, by the community. Find us at www.transsober.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins. We also offer other useful resources. Trans Radio UK, a global radio station the whole LGBTQ plus community can can be be proud of. Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com.
3: Win £25,000 and help Truck Listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click Win £25,000 for
2: more details. Trans Radio UK is on. Right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now, now. More of the music you love. One more. Trans Radio UK.
0: Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So, before the break, we were talking about the Garden of Eden, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the Sumerian tablets, God, Enki, Enlil, snakes, Medusas, Greek gods. And I took up way too much time. So, Lee, what what do you make of all of that then?
1: Yeah, I, I think you, you made a, a, a connection just towards... The, you spoke about the Anunnaki gods descending up. And these were the Sumerian gods. And people have come up with the Enki and these Anunnaki. And the Anunnaki are said to have another planet, the Nibiru. They, Nibiru, yeah. And they, they came came to Earth and basically they, they needed... Slaves, because they needed to take the the, the minerals, particular gold. I think it was back to their home planet, and what they needed were these obedient people who went to work. That were slaves, and the theory goes that the Anunnaki, the DNA of the species that were populous on the planet at the time, so that they could create these these workers. And yeah, just linking it back to the original sin, it kind of makes you you wonder. And we've spoken about this before, where we've spoken about Lucifer, the light bringer, and and that light perhaps being the knowledge and giving it consciousness about, yeah, I, I think. And I find that a far more plausible theory than the theory of evolution on its own. I do think that as time goes on, there is a bit of natural selection, but I think our DNA has a story.
0: Yeah, we talked in the past about how ill-adapted and ill-equipped we are for the environment on this planet, Yeah. whereas the darker-skinned people do appear to be better adapted to their environment. I, I would imagine if if we evolved in a cold climate, we would have a lot more hair.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Just just through if natural selection is true, then we should have evolved that way if we're as old as they say we are. Um, yeah, so so I think that th- there is a lot in that, and I do think there are a lot of parallels between the Bible and these ancient texts. And the thing which I find most compelling about them is the fact that the, the, the Sumerian tablets were buried under sand, which meant when the Roman church was scurrying around Europe on its crusades and destroying all the, the accumulated wisdom in order to cement their view of the world, they, they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have known about the pyramids. That's probably why the pyramids aren't in the Bible, which is also one of the things that's always fascinated me is why aren't they They referred to at all, e- even in the story of Moses. Yeah. And I think it's it's plausible that Moses was tutmosis because they existed at the same time, or at very least would have known each other. And yeah, I do I think that that sort of knowledge is priceless because it allows us to have a view. And Graham Hancock calls it calls us a species with amnesia. And part of the reason I think we've, we've forgotten everything is because our knowledge, we, we committed our knowledge to record. And then the Roman church ran roughshod through Europe and destroyed it all. And one of the most fascinating aspects of that book, The, the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, which I was talking about last week, they say that the Knights Templar when when they went to Jerusalem, they were single-mindedly determined to get to the treasury under the Temple Mount. And it is said that they discovered wisdom there, which is partly they, they call it grey mail as opposed to blackmail. They acquired knowledge. And that's what gave them the upper hand over the Roman church, because they said, hey, We know this stuff now. We found this this hall of records under the Temple Mount and we're going to hold it against you. The Roman church bowed their time, and when it was right, they launched their, the Abyssinian crusade and, and wiped them all out. But yeah, that to me is, I, I think anyone who goes and studies ancient texts and things always ends up with a completely different view. So I think that's why they locked the monks away in monasteries up on high mountains so that they everything they learned from their transcriptions Would Stay there. Stayed there. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a good point, actually.
0: Yeah. But now, so the Anunnaki, the way it's the way they are described in the Sumerian tablets is they who from the heavens came, right? So that just implies they came from above. And the thing that's been on my mind lately is this idea of, have you heard of Oanus? So Oanus is a fish god and Oanus is said to have, and I think it's Egyptian. I might be wrong. I'm still just getting up to speed with this whole idea. Oanis was a god who emerged from the ocean and brought knowledge to humankind. And so it goes back to your Jonah and the whale story. Um, And he was depicted as a fish. He's a fish god. I'll I'll put some pics in. And even the Dagon tribe in Africa, who point to, for them, they say civilization came from the dog star Sirius. And they swear by that. And Kredo Mutua in South Africa says the same thing. So in these ancient African cultures, they still know this because they pass their history down orally. So... Yet we disregard their knowledge, <laughs> despite the fact that we had 800 years of no knowledge in the entirety of Europe. But apparently these civilizations that existed all through that period, no, their knowledge is, is somehow discounted. So yeah, so I think the idea of these people coming out of the oceans is an interesting one, and the idea that they could have just come from the sky is like an aeroplane landing. If we landed an aeroplane in the middle of like do you think of those Amazonian tribes that have not been contacted by the outside world? And they see aeroplanes flying over. What do you think they think those are? And they found lots of artifacts in South America of things that, that are they say, Oh, it's a children's toy, but it looks just like a flipping aeroplane. <laughs> I I just think I think there is a possibility that they don't didn't necessarily come from off planet. I think maybe they just came from somewhere else, but they had the power of flight. They were able to fly and they were able to navigate the oceans. At a time when civilize, the civilization that was left, the people who would have survived the deluge would have either been capable of self-sustenance beforehand, or will have been driven to sell, driven to subsistence level by the complete loss of. If electricity went out tomorrow, boom! Like, like, let's say there was a, a meteor came into the atmosphere and exploded and caused an electromagnetic pulse, like uh, the Tunguska event in 1907. If that were to happen now, that what if it took out all our electronics, all the bank records, everything, emails. It's all gone. Everything that's been digitized would be gone. And overnight we would be crashed back into a stone age. People would hit the streets, they would be looting and fighting and, <laughs> uh, and and two, three generations later, people are not even gonna know. And they're gonna be stories and oh yeah, you know those that power station there, yeah, that that's where they used to go and worship the the god Electron. <laughs> um, and and you just whenever I walk through the city of London and you see those old buildings, even like the Bank of England, in a thousand years' time, if we if we get wiped out now, in a thousand years' time, they'd think that was a temple, surely. And the the London Underground, they'd be like, oh, look how engineer, how how clever they were. They had tunnels,
1: tunnels all the over city. the
0: city, because obviously there was some threat coming from above. Above. They had to cower in these tunnels under tunnels. the ground. So you've got to think like that. You've got to think it's arrogant of us to assume that just because we've reached this level of civilization, it's only hubris and arrogance that keeps us here because we're very close to being on the verge of wiping ourselves out, never mind some sort of, spe- some sort of extraplanetary asteroid or comet or something. We're quite capable of doing it all on our own. So, in a thousand years' time, who knows? We go a thousand years back, and you into the Dark Ages. There is no history. So, yeah, it 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 does make you ponder. I like the idea though that there was an advanced civilization on the planet. It was just a previous iteration of civilization. They generated power in ways Nikola Tesla was starting to uncover and understand. And they were able to traverse the planet. They were like we are. They had a different power mechanism. And if you you take Plato at face value, it was their power systems that they used to power their society. They got greedy, turned it into a weapon of war, went to war and ended up destroying themselves.
1: Sounds familiar.
0: Sounds very familiar.
1: Anything like you wanna say before we I like your go to the connection I like your connection to under the oceans and it's remind, reminds me of that that quote or that phrase As above so below and I think that was from the Emerald tablet and I think the gist of that was more sort of conscious about the world around you and nature and work together and fit together harmoniously. But yeah, I think definitely Possibilities that civilization, a great advanced technology and civilization,
0: could have come, or even just developed organically in the same way that we have. I've got some more to say on that, believe it or not, <laughs> which I will tell you about right after the break.
2: Oh, oh I love this.
0: We continue in
2: moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK.
1: If you're transgender feeling lonely and don't think there's any help available, well now Trans Radio UK have truck listens a confidential phone service just for you on 0800 009 6640
2: Talk for some time and you're feeling good It's gone so much better than you thought it would Made that, phone call. that was a small price a day.
1: Go on make that call It's a small price
2: truck every day
1: To talk to someone who's both sympathetic and empathetic call Truck Listeners 800 9 Six six four zero. Truck listen 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 listen. listen.
3: Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info@transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK.
2: The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK.
0: Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. I really hope you are enjoying this content. And if you are, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. The good old YouTube algorithm. And also, yeah, we're on Rumble and Substack. So please show us some love and come and join us there for chat. and comments and stuff so yeah as above so below we've always assumed that that was as in the heavens but it could also be what's on the earth reflects what's underneath it that's what sprung to mind when you said that and i kind of hinted at this discussion a while ago when i said that if the earth is two-thirds water and we were and and there was a when, when we go out and we look for earths that whole study going on to try and find compatible planets and stuff like that. We look for planets which we could live on, right? So maybe the reason we haven't encountered any aliens yet, such as we understand them, is because they're not interested in the land. Maybe they come from planets that are covered in water. And when they go out scouting through the galaxy to find suitable planets, to occupy, I honestly believe that the first aliens, if they ever do arrive, or if they have arrived in the past, I do think that they were would be more interested by the two-thirds of the planet that's water than the one-third that's land. And there is stuff, and it's not so far-fetched. When we go into space, we take our environment with us. So it's not so far-fetched to imagine that they have spaceships where they're filled with water. We we fill them with air. They fill them with water. And there's all of these things around the unidentified submersible objects, which is starting to get a little bit more traction. People are a little bit more interested in that now because they're saying, well, hang on a minute. What do we really know? We know more about the surface of the moon and Venus than we do about what's in our oceans. And that's the hubris and arrogance that for me is is why why we are so ignorant because you look at what happened with that that sub that was trying to dive down to the titanic it was at the very limits of how deep humans can go and there was that movie and i've been trying to find it and of course whenever i come across a movie that i i want to watch again it never seems to be on the streaming services it's the abyss did you ever watch the abyss and in the abyss, they were, no. yeah, and they had a, a breathing technology, which was oxygenated fluid that would be inside the suit. And then you'd sort of gag and choke and then it would fill your lungs and then your body would be like, it's a bit like the first time I ever scuba dived. You've got to get your brain past the point where your brain's saying you're underwater, you can't breathe. And you've got to literally consciously force yourself to take that first breath out of your scuba tank. And then your brain is like, ah, okay, fine, let's breathe normally. And so in the movie, The Abyss, you see these people doing this and they're like, go through convulsions and stuff as their bodies are trying to figure out, hang on, my my lungs are filled with fluid, but oh, oh, hang on a minute, I can actually oxygenate my blood. And then they pump the whole suit full of that. And because they're surrounded by water, they're then able to go to much greater depths because you're not trying to create the self-contained environment which is subject to this immense pressure and douglas adams joked about this with in his book and the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy trilogy where the dolphins were like so long and thanks for all the fish and they scarpered and yeah, there there was a meme I saw the other day is like, the way the world is at the moment, has anyone checked if the dolphins are still here? <laughs> and the ocean, I, I have a, it's almost like an agrophobia, where I used to, when I was in South Africa, I used to do open water swimming and I could never look down. I just couldn't, it, 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 it was a genuine phobia. I just couldn't breathe. Eventually I had to stop doing open water swimming. Because I just couldn't I, I it petrifies me it's like even when I'm on the beach and in the sea the, the minute I'm deep enough that my feet don't touch the ground, that's too deep for me. that's just who i am this- but yeah the 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 deep sea there's stuff down there there could be whole there could be teeming with civilization of you know, if you follow the Darwinian theory that we crawled out of the oceans. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we are now who we say we are. What what about all those creatures that didn't? And there was a theory years ago that I stumbled across where someone was saying, what if the reptilian uh, aliens that they talk about in these conspiracy theories and stuff, what if they're just the, the dinosaurs? Billions, let's say they didn't all die. The more intelligent of them, we assume they didn't have the intelligence to overcome that asteroid impact but some of them must have because humans have survived various cosmic collisions in the past so what it, and and this theory goes that if dinosaurs had evolved they probably would have evolved into what we now call the reptilians and maybe they do live deep under the surface maybe there is an inner earth we've only when, when we dig mines when we mine the surface The most we can go down is about two kilometers, but the mantle is hundreds of kilometers thick. So again, hubris and arrogance to assume we're the only intelligent species on this planet. What do you think? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, it's highly plausible. There are different intelligent life forms underneath the earth. There are civilizations living beneath the earth's I think the arrogance that life exists because we breathe our atmosphere. And and like you say, we've been looking at planets similar to ours where they've got. But if you just have a look at fish, why not other being adapted? Why is it just air?
0: Yeah, but it's like how the whales, what the whales do is as they dive deeper, the water pressure increases the oxygenation of the air that they've got in them. So they take one deep breath. As they go deeper, they get more and more oxygen out of the air that they've taken. That's how they can stay underwater for so long, even Mm -hmm. though they breathe air. And then they come up and they exhale, and that's what those big plumes of of water are. Then they take another breath, and doom down they go, down they go, down they go. So they've actually adapted to be able to dive to depths greater than we can, even in our best submarines, as far as we know. But yeah, I I I think it's it's really plausible, I'm I'm gonna have to now. I, I've got myself so excited about the abyss. I'm gonna have to probably order the DVD because <laughs> yeah, what a what an amazing movie that was. Um, yeah, what else? What what else? You what else is on your mind with these ancient aliens? So basically, for, from my perspective, I I would surmise that. It is equally possible that aliens are just other intelligent species. And as much as we are venturing beyond the limits of what we are capable on this planet with diving deep submarines and submersibles, and as much as we're developing technologies which enable us to go down, maybe they're developing technologies which enable them to come up. So at some point there probably would be a clash. Because we poisoning their oceans. As much as you people might despise the Aquaman movies, this was a big thing in, in the Aquaman movie was the the Atlanteans were fed up with all the crap that we were putting in the oceans. And now we've got whales attacking ships. <laughs> so so yeah. I, I, I think there's I do think there's something in it. What what do you think as we Sort of go into wrap up. What what are your thoughts after this? Yeah, Nick? so
1: my, my my thoughts that there is a lot of knowledge has been purposely hidden to keep us in the enslavement, if like. And we've touched on digital dystopia, and I think this knowledge has been purposely hidden from us so that we wouldn't have the ability to kind of think outside of the box. And for hundreds of years, it's been certain narratives that we are required to follow you are not encouraged to think for yourself just being open-minded at yourself and finding out because just have a questioning because i think a lot of things and even possible been taught that the narrative that is out there i think there's there's more to it just on the surface
0: agreed well excuse the pun There's more than what's on the surface, right? Surface. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what we say. Yeah, I think there's <clears throat> there is a lot, and I just want to sort of run back through some of the the books and and websites and things that that I like to to follow. So, yeah, as I mentioned, Bright Insight, really, really good. There's there's another young British woman, Johanna James, also has she she's lovely a really, really interesting take on things. And she's a millennial, so not like us Gen Xers. (laughs) She's bringing to it a different perspective, but it's interesting that she's asking all the same questions. So two generations later, the Gen Zs and, and now the millennials, the millennials are asking the questions we were asking as children. So the curiosity is still out there, that innate curiosity. So Johanna James, thoroughly recommends. I've talked about Michael Tellinger's book. I still haven't got an email back from him. <laughs> Maybe after this, he might realize that. Could be nice to have him on. But his book, Slave Species of God, if you want to get into starting to understand the parallels between the the Sumerian tablets, the Christian tales, ancient gold mines, we've talked about that as well. Another really good source, obviously, Graham Hancock. I think he's any one of his books and his Netflix series must watch type of stuff. If you're curious, if you're a curious person, the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, if you're interested in maybe taking a slightly different view on, and I actually think it was in that book that they talk about the correlation between the Egyptian pharaohs and the patriarchs of the Old Testament. So, so yeah, the Holy Blood, the Holy Grail, really, really good book. I'm just trying to think. What else have I mentioned? What other references are there? Fortunately, this is not an academic paper, so I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, even just. Zachariah Zachariah Sitchin, Sitchin. yeah. Yeah. Uh, His stuff. So Michael Tellinger was informed largely by Zachariah Sitchin, but Sitchin's not the only person who's translated the tablets. But Sitchin's a good place to start. Really wonderful series of books that are written by him. So if you if you just Google him, you'll get a, a list of all the books that he's written, which even if you just read them as novels, they're wonderful stories. They're great stories. But you will resonate with them. There's something in it that makes you you read it and you just think, maybe this does actually make sense. So... Yeah, I would I, I would highly recommend you do that. And just keep looking because curiosity didn't kill the cat. Curiosity is really important. And I think for me, one of the things that religion does is removes your curiosity because it says all the questions are answered. And my favorite saying is just when I thought I had all the answers, they went and changed all the questions. And that's where I'm second. I'm even shifting from Are they aliens from above or are they aliens from below? And it's just interesting how the more curious you get, the more it takes you in different directions. So maybe we are all alone in the universe. That means we are totally unique and special (laughs) and wonderful, beautiful and amazing human beings, however we came to be here. So with that, it's a goodbye from me. Take care. And stick around after the break for... MG's and Orthodox jukebox for a bit of music to lighten your soul, and we will see you again next week. Bye. Wow.
3: Hey, this is Pink.
2: Trans Radio UK. Did you know we have an active and fun chat room? Come and join presenters and other listeners at TransRadioUK.com. Truck United FC, our award-winning football team. Catch all the latest action at www.truckunitedfc.com. Bringing you the best music, the latest news, and the best chat shows across the globe. Trans Radio UK. Trans Radio UK, here for the community, 24 hours a day.